This message is a presentation of Vortex Church in Albemarle, North Carolina. For more information about the ministry of Vortex Church, please visit us online at vortexchurch.com. As we get ready to start this moment, that, uh, that Father's Day is either really, really awesome or really difficult. Uh, there's some people in here that the idea of father is just a difficult thing to deal with um, because maybe you've lost your dad or maybe dad just wasn't a good dad. All right. Let me just take a moment and just share something with you as we get ready to get started. Ultimately, Jesus through God is the father that we could never have had even on earth. And that if we had a bad experience with our father on earth, we can always find a heavenly father who is far better than any of us could ever be. Okay? Uh, the reason I, I showed that video today is because when we think of margin and we think of the day that we want to talk about being a dad or any of that kind of stuff, we need to immediately understand that life has squeezed the things that matter the most out. That's why we're talking about this today. That's why we've been in this series and we'll continue through at least next week because the way that we live, the lifestyle that our culture has benchmarked for us is a lifestyle that has taken the things that are most central, most important, and has worked it to the peripheral of our life. Where if I sat down with many of you, you would say, hey, you know, here are the things that really matter to me. These are the things I really love Jesus and I love my family and I'm, I'm really, I want to be really involved and active at church. But if we began to look at how your time is allocated and where your money is being spent, we would find that it doesn't necessarily reflect that priority. And so we felt the need and I felt led by God to dive into this topic for us. And I think that listening to you guys, this has been a very valuable thing for us because I don't, I don't want to push for minor adjustments in your life, okay? That's not what this is asking for. This is asking for us to simply go, God, I don't care it's not even mine. Would you take what is I have thought of as my life, would you take it and just radically reconstruct it because I don't want what the world has and if I keep living like what the world does, I'm going to end up with what they have. Let me ask you a question as we get ready to start today. How many of you would identify with this statement? I regularly have financial stress. How many of you? Hands up. Hands up if that's you. Let's just be honest and transparent. Hands every everybody, every adult in the room just raised their hand. Regularly I have financial stress. 
It's just, it's one of those things that that is normal. That is what has become normal in our culture to take the amount of money that God has given us and to go, I can budget for 105, 120% of the money that I make. Actually, statistically, based on recent research, Americans spend about 115% of their monthly income every month. Really? That's just dumb. It is. So what does financial margin look like? What does financial margin look like? All right. It, it can look like this, that we, we have a budget and we live by a budget. And at the end of the month, we have money left over. And that's possible. That is possible. I know some of you are going, no, it is. It is. It is possible. What can financial margin look like? It can look like I'm able to give generously to the causes that matter to me. I'm able to give generously to the causes and to the things that matter to me. My neighbor, they're elderly and maybe in an event like this, financial margin enables me to buy them a generator because all of my money isn't booked and so there's margin there and I can give generously. It allows me, financial margin allows me to enjoy the things in life that I enjoy. See, many of us do things that we enjoy, but while we're doing them, we're not enjoying them because we're thinking, this costs so much money. Oh my gosh, oh my gosh. I am spending this much money on this. And you're supposed to be enjoying it. Financial margin can increase your time margin. Financial, those of us that have financial margin can do something to increase our time margin because we can hire people to do things that other people can do so that we can do the things that only we can do. So if you have a hundred bucks left over in your budget, maybe it might be a good idea to get somebody to help. Maybe your wife, if she's struggling to carry all the chores around the house and raise the kids, why not get somebody to help her with the chores so that she can do what only she can do, which is raise the kids. Ultimate, ultimately, financial margin really means that we can rest financially. And when I looked around the room just a little bit ago and I asked you if you were experiencing regularly stress in your finances and your hand goes up, that means that I'm not really at rest there. 
not really at rest. If you would, if you have your Bibles, let's look at Proverbs 21 today. Proverbs 21, verses 20. If you've got your phones, that's awesome. If you don't have a Bible, just so you guys know this, we have at guest services free Bibles. So if you don't have a Bible and you uh, don't have one that's in a, maybe you have a King James version that somebody gave you when you graduated from high school and doesn't make a whole lot of We have uh, Bibles that are in real English, <laughs> all right, for you. And, and I would invite you to just pick one of those up. Uh, at guest services free. We don't, we don't want any money for that. If you don't have a Bible, we'll give you one. Um, Proverbs 21, verse 20. This, in the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. In the house of the wise are stores of choice food and oil, but a foolish man devours all he has. You see, last week I told you that the best question that we could ask when we're trying to examine stuff is not is it right, because if it's not right, we might assume, right, we might make some assumptions in the way that we process that. Is it right or wrong? We don't want to also ask, can we do it or can we not do it? We want to ask the question, is it wise? And again, the Bible pulls us back into this issue of wisdom creating margin because it says in the house of the wise. Let me point something out here. That the majority of you have this excuse floating around in your mind that I don't have enough money to talk about margin in my budget. The Bible does not say in the house of the wealthy are stores of choice food and oil. It does not say that a poor man devours all he has. You see, the issue is not the availability, the excess or the inavailability or the lack of the issue is how we deal with what we have we talked about that last week in the sense of time if we all of a sudden poof had two more hours in a day we would still have a time issue because we wouldn't use it right see the issue is not how much is there the issue is how we use what is there and so the greatest issue in our finances is not the availability or the inavailability of funds. The greatest issue is how we use them, the wisdom that is behind. You see, we need to get a different understanding of wealth and poverty. The truth is that there are righteous, wealthy people and there are 
unrighteous, wealthy people. All right, there are men who have a lot of money and they are faithful to God. And they give generously out of a large margin in their lives. I mean, the truth is, is that one guy gave the most significant gift that we had when we were in our launch team phase, raising money to launch our church. One guy that I know who is a very righteous, wealthy man came and visited and looked at what we were doing and said, here, we could not have done it without that gift. It was a significant gift. But there are men that we know that are wealthy, that are not righteous. In the same way, poverty exists on the same level, that there are people who are unrighteously living in poverty. Right? And some of us have worked with those guys that get their paycheck on Friday and go straight to the liquor store and spend half of their paycheck. Right, immediately. And spend a weekend drunk. Because they're wasting their money. And they live in poverty because that's their lifestyle. But there are men and women who are living in a a lower level of income that are there righteously. They give faithfully. They take care of their property. They love their kids. And we don't want to judge the righteousness or unrighteousness of someone based on their account balance, right? And I want to say something immediately as we begin to talk about this today, that the, you need to understand that my heart is I want something for you. I don't want anything from you, all right? This is a talk that is for you because we've all confessed. I got stress in this area. So what can we do? Let's go to 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Turn with me in your Bibles. 1 Timothy 6, verses 6 through 10. Here we go. But godliness... With contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. I mean, we could just stop it and I could preach that one for the next 20 minutes. That godliness with contentment. The the writer of this letter, the Apostle Paul, doesn't say that that's a slight win. It's okay. He, no, that is a great gain. That's a huge win. That's a big deal. Godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world and we can take nothing out of it. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. How many of you? have been faced with the reality over the last few days where this is, this is what I'm dealing with, right? Power's gone, 
TV's gone. Can't even charge my phone anymore. Right? I don't know if the cell towers are working because my phone doesn't work at all. But if we have food and clothing, we will be content with that. People who want to get rich fall into temptation and a trap and into many foolish and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people eager for money have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Because think about it, the lack of financial margin in our lives generically is produced because we are not content with what we have right now. In, the, in this moment, as the Apostle Paul is writing this young mentee that he has mentored and poured his heart out, godliness with contentment is great gain. Listen, the world is going to show you that there are going to be people who love money and things. And they're going to go after it. They're going to chase it. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You're going to see people sacrifice their families on the altar of having a better job. But godliness with contentment is great gain. You're going to see all kinds of men who want to get rich and want to have more. But in this passage, the Apostle Paul says, it's a trap. It's a trap. And it's going to lead where he begins to close out that thought to this, to many griefs. Many griefs. And earlier, I basically asked you that question. You have many griefs? And you, we all said, yes, we do. We all, we all do. We have many griefs. Because we live in a world that has told us the wrong solution to this problem in our lives. Our culture has positioned us in a place where many of us are willing to trade financial margin for temporary things. Why are we so willing to trade the financial margin that should be in place to create freedom and rest in our finances for something that is so temporary? Let me show you something that I think is important. If you're taking notes, I'd write this down. I don't think it's in your notes. That our culture's definition of happiness is this. More than I currently have. 
more than I currently have. So I have a boat, but I, I got a pontoon boat, and I really like to have a ski boat too. Right? And I have a house, but I'd like to have, you know, a little house by the lake. Right? We've got a nice TV in the living room, but I'd like a nice TV in my man cave, right? A little bit more than you currently have. I mean, we have a little bit of money in the bank, but I would be happier if it was a little bit more than it currently is. And the truth is, is that that is a lie. That is a lie. You will not be happier. Whatever that thing is, and all of you have a thing. We all have a thing, right? Whatever that thing is that you think, if I get this, I'm going to be a little bit happier. It will not make you happy. And if it does, it'll break. What's going to happen? All right? Why are we so willing to trade margin for temporary things? Why? Why do we think this? Why do we think I deserve it now? especially for young people that are in the room today, okay? I'm going to speak to what we would call our millennial generation, those of you who are probably somewhere around 30 and below, okay? What we're seeing as a trend among those folks is to think this, that right now when I get out of college and I have a professional identity, I should have what my parents worked 40 years to earn. I should have that right now. And so what happens is they go out and get big mortgages buy new cars and live well above their means. Not realizing that their parents spent 30 years trying to get to that place. Why do we think I deserve it now? Because let's go back to that verse out of Timothy Godliness with contentment is great gain. If I can be right with God and become content with what he has given me, that is a great win in my life. It is a great win because the opposite of that is a very dangerous place to live. You see, the issue is not the amount available, but how we use it. We don't have an income problem. 
We have a lifestyle problem. We don't have an income problem. We have a lifestyle problem. We'll say that again. We don't have an income problem. We have a lifestyle problem. I'm going to show you a verse that comes out of the Sermon on the Mount. Because I want you to understand that in that, our lifestyle problem is not just, I spend too much money. It's a spiritual problem. It's not just something that has isolated itself in our finances. It is a spiritual problem. And I want you to see this passage. Every one of you, the first time that you give, I send you a note. Okay? And on that note, this verse is printed. I want you to see this because this is extremely important for you to understand in the context of your finances. Let's look at it. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. Jesus is saying, don't you worry about things. Let's think about it. Right? Have we had not a great illustration for us that things are temporary? They're not going to last forever. They can be taken from you. Let's go back to the first week with Jesus and Mary and Martha. Right? A thing can be taken from you, but the best thing can't. So let's look at that. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and rust do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. There, Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I have taught on that recently, but just to catch you up, if you weren't here, that we need to understand that where our treasure is put affects our hearts. Our heart is not going to lead our treasure. Our treasure leads our heart. And so where we choose to put our treasure matters because it will affect where our heart goes. And when I put my treasure in the wrong place, my heart will go to the wrong place. Here's just a statistic, okay? On average, American Christians give 2% of their income to the church. On average. 2%. That means 2% of their heart is being realigned towards the church. 2%. That means 98% of their treasure is going somewhere else. It's a spiritual problem. It's a spiritual problem. And we need to know that because when we sit here and go, you know, I just don't feel it. 
just not feeling. I don't feel like I don't feel like I'm a part. I don't I don't feel like like I'm getting something out of it. Really, you're not. Your heart's not in it, right? Is that what you're saying? Because where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how do we create financial margin? How do we create financial margin in our lives? There is a simple answer to that. Either spend less money or earn more money. Simple answer right there. Right? But you guys are smart. You knew that already. And if that answer would work, you would have financial margin right now. If that was the answer for you, most likely you would have financial margin right now because you're smart enough to know that. So I'm going to give you two things today. Really, it's just one thing. And it's this. Put God first in your finances. Put God first in your finances. God first. I could just stop there. But today we're talking about financial margin. Put God first in your finances. Obviously, okay, is the time to mention the fact that God does call us to give generously to his church. In Malachi, he uses the standard of a tenth, a tenth of our income. So God calls us to be generous and, and to give generously to his church. But let's get even more specific than that. Pray about how you spend your money. So you're spending 20% of your monthly budget on your cable bill? Don't you think you probably should ask God if that's where... 20% of your monthly budget needs to go. If it is, praise God. So you're trying to decide about how much money you could spend for rent or for a mortgage. Maybe you should pray about that. Maybe you should listen to God's heart for where your money goes. Put God first in your finances. Look at this verse with me. Matthew 6, 33. Look at this verse. Do we have that? Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. <laughs> well that's been there the whole time. I didn't make that up. All right. Seriously, that's been in the Bible for years since we were all little babies, right there. What's God saying? Put me first. If you put me first, these other things that you're so worried about, I'm going to take care of them. The things that you feel like right now, they, they are going to put you in debt beyond your means. You, you're really, really going to go for that? No, what, put me first. And I'm going to take care of that. 
You have so much debt that right now you can't even think about how to pay the bills that you have. Put me first. Put God first in your finances. And if we'll do that, this is what will happen when we put God first. What happens when we put God first? The first thing, and and I couldn't, honestly, I just couldn't be faithful to this message and not say this, is that we will experience God's blessing. We will experience God's blessing. In Malachi 3, 8 through 10, God is speaking to the nation of Israel and challenges them. If we have that, let's put that scripture on the screen. Will you, mere mortal, rob God, right? Yet you rob me. You ask, well, how am I robbing you? In the tithes and the offerings. So God is saying, Israel, you have not been bringing the tithe to me. The other offerings that we do that are above the tithe, you haven't been bringing that to me. And because of that, you are under a curse because you are robbing me. Next verse. So bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. And then God says this, test me in this and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be room enough to store it. God says, I know what you're thinking already. Ain't no way in the world that's going to work. Ain't no way. God says, test me. Test me. You really and most of us, the first time that we come up against this, the first time that we stand against that truth that it's not my finances, it's God's, I'm going to try to execute his plan and be a giver and tithe, we look at it and go, yeah, that can't work. Because I'm looking at my finances, look at how much money I make, I don't have any margin, and I'm barely paying my bills. This is not going to work. And God says, test me on this. Test me. Test me. And see if I won't bless you. Here's the second thing that happens when we begin to put God first in our finances. It breaks the power of materialism. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Materialism says that happiness is defined by the next new thing. And when we become oriented around God and we begin to let his way become our way, somehow the power of materialism begins to break. And the things that we think that we would buy happiness with, those temporary and mortal things, we will begin to see that is not going to produce what I think it will 
in my heart. It breaks the power of materialism. The fourth thing is that we become supernaturally content. When we become the kind of people that say, God, it's, it's yours. We become supernaturally content when we begin to put God first in our finances. Look at this, Proverbs fifteen sixteen, with me. Better a little with the fear of the Lord than great wealth with turmoil. Some of y'all have been in both of those positions before. You've had little but been right with God and had a lot and not been. And you know that it is better to have little and with the fear of the Lord than to have a lot with turmoil. And the last thing, and if I could give you one thing out of this, I just want you to walk out of here with this, that when we put God first in our finances, we end up with more of what matters. We end up with more of what matters. Proverbs 8, 18 through 19. With me are riches and honor, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. When I got to this point when I was studying, started thinking about this, and this is really one of those things that has, has kind of brought a, a, a zoom lens for me. The best stories that we'll tell at the end of our life are not going to be these stories. I walked into Marshall's and I found this pair of jeans for 50% off. It's supposed to be $100. They had it marked down to 60 and I got it for 30 That's not going to be the story we tell at the end of our life that is going to be like, yeah, that's awesome. That's not, that's not how it, the stories that are going to matter are going to be the ones where we believed in something we sacrificed for it. So when at the end of my life I can sit there and say I, I left a very comfortable job in a very comfortable position for my family for no promise of anything and moved to Albemarle to start a church with nobody backing me financially with nothing on the table for income, I made last year literally 20% of what I made the year before. That's a story that matters. At the end of the day, 
That's the story at the end of my life. I can stand up and go, I'm so proud that God could do that through me. You see, if we don't understand that if we put God first in our finances, we end up with more of what matters. If we're first, if I'm first, I end up with a lot of stuff that doesn't matter. But when God's first, at the end of the day, I end up with a story that takes me to something that does matter. Let's pray. God, we just thank you that through your great grace and mercy that we can today, that we can find margin in you. Because even though we may look at what the resources are, if we will just look at you and say, God, you own the, the cattle on a thousand hills. All of this belongs to you anyway. All I want to do is just be obedient and put you first. We'll be able to be at rest in the middle of all of this tension. The real question, God, today for many of us is not, do we need more money? It's really, who's going to be first? It's, are we willing to let you be first? Or are we going to take the top position? So nobody looking around. I want to ask you a question, and I want you to be very honest in this moment. Every eyes closed, every head still, nobody looking. In your finances, right now, do you want something better? If you do, raise your hand. Hands going up everywhere. If you want something better, you need to realize that you are not better. What you've been doing is never going to get better. It's only going to be when we put God first. This isn't something that just bleeds into our finances. It is a, a bigger issue, more comprehensive than maybe we could even imagine. So the real question is, are you willing to put God first? Are you willing to step aside to dethrone yourself and to let God be first in your life? If that's you, would you raise your hand right now? And what's really difficult, I'm going to be honest with you guys, is that about half of y'all just raised your hands, but all of you raised your hands when I asked you if you had financial stress earlier. 
And I want you to understand that the only way that that's ever going to get broken in your life is when we put God first. Let's pray. God, thank you today for the beautiful reality of knowing that we can trust you. God, thank you for the calling to put you first in our finances, to make you central in our lives. God, I just pray that you lead us to a place where we end up with more of what matters. It's in your name we pray. Amen.